You're listening to December Voicings, the Christmas calendar podcast for artists and teachers who want to tap their creative source, find their own voice and sustain in their creative work. My name is Katja Maria Slotte and today is 6th of December. And today I want us to remember our roots our creative roots. Today is the Independence Day of Finland, my native country, and although I don't live in Finland since already 20 years, I always remember my roots and honor my roots on the Independence Day of Finland, and it made me inspired to connect this to our creative work. So let's take a moment today to connect to our roots, remember our roots and the tradition and those who have walked on the journey before us. So today is a moment of honoring those who were there before us and those who have taught us, those who have inspired us, those who were brave and paved the way before us because they have contributed to our own voice. I believe your own voice is not something that is born out of the blue through only you, but it's a mixture of you and the tradition, you and the past. So I want to quote Maya Angelou who said, I have great respect for the past. If you don't know where you've come from, you don't know where you're going. I have respect for the past, but I'm a person of the moment. I am here and I do my best to be completely centered at the place I'm at. Then I go forward to the next place. So today, let's honor the past. So what is your first memory of that moment when you went, yes, I want to go for this. I want to sing. I want to play a musical instrument. I want to write songs. Uh, I want to teach even. I had moments like those already in childhood. Those were not necessarily connected to like that idea of I want to study music and make it my profession and I want to become an artist but those were more connected to this sort of like playfulness and curiosity um, of being surrounded by music and by sounds so I didn't grow up in a family that you would call a musical family but there was music around Uh, both in the family and in the community. So in my family, my mom would sing when she made the dishes or was cooking or, you know, sang, sang along with the radio. And her mom, my grandmother, she would sing quite a lot for us. She would especially sing this one song about a guardian angel. And it goes like, Man korvessa kulkevi lapso sentie, hän tihana enkeli kotiin vie. I'm trying to sing so softly because it's evening. 
That is the song that I heard so often. It was kind of like my favorite lullaby. It made me feel safe. It made me feel cradled. It made me feel connected. And my parents would sing in choirs, like my dad would sing in a male choir at some point, and my mom would sing in a chamber choir. And there was music around. There was music as just a part of life, um, part of the community, in school. There was music around, but music was not, it didn't have that function or like art or creativity. In my family, it did not have that function of, or position or what you want to call it, of that it might be a possible profession. But even so, thinking about those memories, I think there are clues to what music, what music means to you or what your art form means to you. Um, and I want to first connect this to your art form. And I do believe that teaching is an art form too. So we can talk about teaching as an art form. But I believe if we are uh, teachers like music teachers or voice teachers, um, the initial why did not have to do with the idea of I'm going to teach this to other people. So we really do need to go back to the why, the personal why um, first. So there were no artists, no professional artists in my close family. The closest artist that was in my family had already passed away. So in my family, um, from my dad's side, there is a poet and a writer in the family and he his name was Alexander Slotte and he wrote poems and plays and actually many of his poems were composed um, or set to music and became very important for that part uh, of Finland where I grew up on the countryside of Ostrobothnia uh, and the Swedish-speaking countryside, I have to add. So he wrote poems in Swedish and uh, it was like kind of cool, you know, to have this feeling like, hey, there's a poet in my family. And I remember feeling really like secretly very proud about that. Uh, and it felt special because it was not like the typical profession, right? So there were like uh, a lot of um, farmers in the family and whatnot. And then there was the poet and the playwright. Uh, and that was the person who, you know, had moved away from the countryside and he had lived uh, his life, his, his like adult life in Helsinki and, you know, been writing poems and plays and he had created something like left a legacy, right? So his poems set to music would, they would appear in all the... Um, uh, the school music books and all kinds of music books for Swedish-speaking Finland. And these songs would be sung on all kinds of events, from family meetings to festivities, uh, you know, when the community got together. So he created folk music 
uh, or lyrics for folk music. And I remember feeling, yeah, feeling that it was very special. I felt that that was special, that you could create something that would exist. It would continue existing long after you had left this earth and how those songs took on a meaning and those poems they they carried meaning for people for generations after he wrote them and they still carry a lot of meaning and I remember feeling that that was so special so this first honoring the past goes out to Alexander who paved the way. Somewhere around age 13 I saw my first opera and I was mesmerized. I was mesmerized by the fact that you could create something, you could tell stories that touched other people's souls like that experience had touched mine it was it just felt magical um the combination of music and acting and the whole thing on stage and I know that in that moment something in my heart said I want to be part of creating an experience like this when I grow up I want to I want to be part of this magic. And that was the moment when all this like playing music because I had been playing the piano since I was 6 years old. Um and I had been in the music school department of the conservatory uh since I was 7. Um and that was that was all playfulness although you know it's a music school department where you uh, make exams and so on but it was a it was playful experimenting it was not until not before that moment that I had with the opera that something shifted in me and I started thinking this is what I want to be doing So can you remember your first magical moment, your first like wow moment, that moment when you connected to that why the first time? Like my why in that first moment was connected to being able to create something that communicates on a soul level. It did not have, like I wasn't blown away by oh, I want to be able to sing those high notes. It was about communication. And why I'm saying this is because it's so important for me to remember that original why in the moments that I sort of like get sidetracked by all kinds of technical goals that I might have. So communication, playfulness, Wow, (laughs) those are strong words. Those are powerful words. And when I say them, I need to write them down. I need to write them down on a piece of paper and hang them on my wall. It's words that I remember and then I forget. 
I forget, like we forget, we forget because we get caught up in, you know, technical goals, we get caught up in comparison, we get caught up in all kinds of things that have not got anything to do with the original why, with the original purpose. Yeah, think about that. What are the words that pop up in your mind when you think about your first why moment, your first magical moment? Now let's play a little game. So if you could invite anybody, anybody who has inspired you in your art, your craft, in your creative life and career, anybody who has paved the way for you. It could be somebody like a teacher. It could be an artist who you have learned from or who you have admired, whose work you have admired, whose work you have studied, whose voice you have studied or whose voice you have imitated in order to find your own voice because that's how it goes. So who would sit at your dinner table? I would have people like Billie Holiday. I would have Billie Holiday at my dinner table because I love her storytelling and Billie Holiday was the first singer who I obsessed about, like who I studied. I was singing in a music theater play about her life. So that was part of the research progress process too. But I became completely fascinated by her life and by the fact that that storytelling was so truthful and so raw. Like her voice was so honest. She would sit at my table and next to Billie Holiday, I would have Joni Mitchell. I would have Joni Mitchell next to Billie Holiday and we would talk about songwriting. We would talk about sounds. Oh, how she tunes her guitars and how she paints with words and music. And we would talk about traveling. <laughs> we would talk about Love, I think, but mostly about being fearless, being fearless in your journey. I don't think Joni doesn't feel any fear, but to me, she's this sort of like fearless woman who creates no matter what. So those two ladies are just a part of my eclectic dinner guests or my eclectic dinner table. What would I cook for them, I wonder? Who would be at your dinner table? So this dinner table game is fun for many reasons and it helps us to connect not just to the inspiration but also thinking about what is it in particular that I have learned from that artist? What can I learn from that artist? Like sometimes it is something that is very much linked to the tradition of the style. 
Like for example, if you are studying jazz music and you want to become a jazz singer, you want to walk in the footsteps of the great masters, you want to study their style, their craft, you could take a jazz improvisation scat singing course with Ella Fitzgerald. Would you sign up? I would sign up for that course. And at other times, that thing that we can learn doesn't necessarily have to do with the craft itself, but we can learn about how somebody creates and we can trace their process. We can trace the way their creativity has had like ebbs and flows and we can figure out hey not everybody is producing on a roll there's people who have been very productive all the time and produced and produced and produced and made 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 and then there's been people who have made something and then sort of like disappeared off the radar and then come back um like years later, to make something new. So it's nice in that way to trace their footsteps and to find your own sort of like, your own inspiration from that. And seeing the people that you have gathered in your group of, in your eclectic group of dinner guests as mentors in a way, and then on a more like spiritual level, I believe that honoring the past and honoring the roots, honoring the tradition and those who paved the way before us is also a way to tap into their wisdom, into the source Before I go today, I would be so curious to hear about one person you would love to have at your dinner table and why. And here's how we can do that. So write a post on Instagram inspired by this episode about one person who you would invite at your dinner table and why you would invite them and what you would like to learn from them or what you have learned from them and tag me at complete vocal coach or use the hashtag voicings show and that way I can find your post and I'm really curious to see what kind of dinner table guests we all will have I'll be back soon bye